With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. In this week's episode, you're going to hear the second half of my exclusive interview with David Jacoby that took place back in 2018. Last week, the majority of the interview was focusing on David retracing his steps and going through the timeline of events the best that he could remember from the night that Stevie, Michael, and Christopher went missing. In this second hour of the interview, we're now going to hear what life has been like for David since Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers were murdered. We're going to hear about the steps that he's taken to try to help investigators along the way and how up until now, providing that help has done nothing for him but drive him out of his home and his business. At the very beginning of this interview, my voice is going to sound muffled and far away for the first couple of questions. That's because I had a mic error on my mic, so you're only picking me up through David's mic. But after a few minutes, that gets straightened out and the audio should be pretty good. The first question that I asked David is the question that many of you have been asking me. Does David remember if Terry changed his clothes that night? Let's get right into the interview. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you, do you recall if Harry ever changed clothes during the day? No, and yeah, and I've been asked that a million times, and I, I you know, I don't, uh, I it just, I mean, it's something I do. I don't look at their clothes when people yeah, knock on my door, either. you know, and when, if we're out looking for a kid, the last thing I'm going to think of is, is, uh, hey, what kind of, yeah, what kind of shoes you got on? What kind of pants you're wearing? Right. You know, and, and it's just uh, something that, you know, I don't know if anybody does that, really. I mean, uh, unless something's happened that just drawn your attention, you know, like maybe you dropped, spilled a soda on you or something, and you had to go home and change. Or, well, that's, that's the thing, is you don't, anybody can't remember that stuff. If you don't know you're supposed to be looking for something, you don't know your stuff. Yeah, and, you know, back then, like I said, when I was, when I come home from work, you know, if, depending on how hard the day was, especially that work. Now, when I come home from work, I don't work. I'm nasty, dude. I mean, I, I come home, I take my clothes off, I jump in the shower, you know, I get cleaned up, put some decent clothes on, or if I'm not planning to go anywhere, maybe I'll put my shorts on and some flip-flops or sandals and walk through the house. But uh, that job, I mean, you never, you know, one time you got dirty is when you sat down in the truck, if you, you know, if you'd spilt something in your seat while you was driving down the road eating. So, you know, if it was hot, then yeah, maybe I'd have dropped my jeans and throwed on some shorts and, and flip-flops, but... uh I, I can't even, I can remember, you know, thinking that I need to put my boots on and, uh, because I, it was muddy out there. And it just rained. I mean, it rained its ass off. And, uh, I, I remember, you know, I had that's to put my boots on. So. Oh, that's why. Yeah. And it's, again, that don't register with me at the, oh, at the point. It. Oh, yeah. That's why it don't register with me at the point. You know, that, that's, that, that is actually a drainage ditch or bayou, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I just, I can just remember that water rolling. I mean, buddy, it was coming. Uh, and you'd see sticks, 
uh, branches in there, and then you they'd roll, and then they'd suck down, you know, and then they'd yeah. go, and then you see them pop up down the, down the ways a little bit, and I thought, man, that's pretty, that'd be pretty deep, you know. Yeah. And I'm not sure how deep it was, but it was within a couple of feet of touching that pipe, you know, that night. I can remember that. Yeah. If you'd have, you know, people say they could put boats in there and go down on the boat. If you'd have done, you'd have decapitated yourself if you yeah, was trying on to one side or the other. Yeah, I mean if you're standing up it would probably got you in the way. Sitting down it probably took your head head off from your shoulders up. But uh yeah, I mean that's uh and I can remember us, us, us you know, me and me and Jackie both was talking about falling off. I mean, we we kinda looked and was, well, what if a kid got up there and fell off or uh you know, and uh we looking and you see how far the water kinda goes before it would bend and and we tried to look and say, well, you know, you know, it would probably take them to this point. And uh, we did. We walked back. Uh, I, I, we got on the pipe after that. We did. We got on the pipe and, and on the on the beams and just looked down. I mean, you know, and kind of look up and say, well, you know, if if you fell in here, you'd probably wind up here. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, by that time, there's so many people probably done been through there. We'd never found that anyway. And we decided to just turn around and go back to the <coughs> truck. and. Uh, we looked as we was going back to and we never seen nothing. And, uh, One thing I wanted to ask you is what really was your relationship with, with Terry? Uh, that, you know, the documentaries kind of made it look like you guys were best of buddies. But from us talking, it didn't seem like you actually really knew him all that well. No, I didn't, I didn't know him all that well. I, mean, I knew only what he had told me. And, and, and if Pam had mentioned anything, I would have known, you know, that. But uh, I, Pam was was actually the link between me and me and Terry and uh Pam was also uh friends with 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 my my wife and they uh they actually was you know this is this is known as the Blyville area but the little suburbs of Blyville or if you want to call them that the little towns you know you have uh a, a place Armorell and uh Huffman just little small towns and they were from uh like Armorells where where my my wife was was from they lived you know out out that way and uh the branch i mean branches uh which was stevie's real father uh they lived over in that area for for a good while and pam was married to uh steve branch and uh and anyway they they had known each other uh, uh my wife's sister youngest sister went to school with pam and would come over to their house and that's the way she met them and she had known uh steve branch and I'd met Steve Branch uh, actually uh, years while they were they were I think they were just getting a divorce. I didn't know at the time, but I, you know she was I knew she was married to Steve Branch, and I knew Steve Branch from you know the younger times, the younger days when we were uh, young. We were you know they'd have little parties out there at the river, and I I'd met Steve Branch out there, but uh, I really didn't know him very well. But it, when, I knew him when I saw him, and I would speak to him, but. Uh, it wasn't no hangout, but anyway, Pam had introduced me. We'd bumped into him in West Memphis, and, and she, you know, looked at me real funny and said, "Well, what are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, we live here." Uh, you know, I told her me and Bobby moved to Memphis back in '89, uh, and and lived over there for a little while, and we kept getting broken into, so we wound up moving across the bridge and to West Memphis, so I'd be closer to work. And uh, anyway, she asked what we're doing there, and I explained it to her, and she says, "Okay, well." uh well, I bring my husband by some night. I said, "Will you do that? Come on by." And I said, "Bobby, be glad to see you." And uh, it wasn't long, you know. They came by, and uh, she introduced Terry, and he seemed like a good guy. I mean, he was, you know, low key and mellow, and he spoke, you know, he was well spoken. He didn't, you know, a lot of profanity or, or nothing, nothing out of line, you know. And uh, anyway, that's that was the beginning. And uh, he noticed I had a guitar sitting in the corner of the living room. And uh, say he also played guitar. So, uh, yeah. And one of my extra bedrooms, I had all my music stuff, and amps, and guitar, and banjos, and, you know, just different musical items. And I took him back there. He picked up the guitar, started playing, and you know, we kind of hit it off on you know as far as playing guitar. It's kind of neat to have somebody to play with. I was teaching my youngest daughter or my oldest daughter how to play, and. Uh, Trying to anyway, she learned a few chords, but anyway, you know, she wasn't but five years old. But, uh, maybe once, twice a week, you know, they might stop by in the evenings, and it was getting on, you know, about to, you know, get on to be summer around Memphis, and uh, and I was 
Man, I was dreading that heat that year. I mean, I'd been working out in that stuff damn near all my life, but uh, you were an iron worker. I was right? iron worker, yes, and uh, I mean, I loved it, and I really enjoyed working. I loved, I loved the workout. It was a workout. You had a good workout. You stayed in good shape. You also got paid good money. So I mean, it, it worked out for me. But uh, man, the heat would kill you. That Memphis heat, the humidity, and I, I wasn't looking forward to another. Tough summer. I'd had three or four there in a row prior, and, and I was really dreading it. But uh, anyway, I told Terry I was going to go find me something to do, you know, through the summertime because uh, I didn't want to spend another summer in Memphis. I'd done worked out of state a bunch of times, you know, up north, and, uh, and, and <laughs> those summers are a lot easier than these. But uh, he told me about where he worked and was selling ice cream at these, uh, not these big grocery stores, but these smaller mom and pop stores, you know, out in the country and uh and he's talking about hey you know how much money he made and all that and uh he said they were talking about hiring another driver and i you know i my brother worked for dr pepper when when i was younger and we, he was younger but uh i would go up and uh i had a part-time job with him when i'd get out of school and i'd go up to uh, dr pepper and i'd help stock the trucks so i said man i, I don't know nothing about selling nothing i said I, you know, I used to load my brother's truck all the time you know and uh Got a part-time job doing that, loading all the trucks at you know in the evening times. And uh, I said, "But man, yeah, if I can make a pay, if I can make pay my bills and feed my kids, then man, I'd do that until you know fall, and I'd you know go back to what I do because I'd make what I thought would be a lot more money than that. But anyway, that's I, I went ahead and I, I thought about well I'd try that and I walked, went up to talk to him at the ice cream place and wound up getting a job. And then like I say we would uh, ride to work together for you know first couple of weeks we did and uh, talked and you know uh, go to work. He kind of showed me how you know the ins and outs of this route that route and where to go and what, what to stay away from. And anyway, that's about as close as as we really got. I mean work and. Maybe on a weekend one day, him and Pam would stop by with the kids and we'd let the kids play. I'm not, not no beer drinker. I think I might have drank a beer or two with him the whole time I've known him. Uh, it's got to be awful hot outside for me to drink a beer because uh, I really don't have the taste for it. But socially, I would drink a beer with him and, and you know, we might play the guitar when the kids play. And, uh, I think one time we did throw some hamburgers on the grill and, and let the kids, you know, have hamburgers and hot dogs and let them play. But uh, other than that, it was just, you know, every now and then come by, he'd pick up a guitar, pick up mine. We might try to play a song. But he, like I say, he seemed like a good guy. Uh, you know, if he'd said it, come up to me, hey, can I borrow $20? I'd loan him $20. I mean, that's, you know, that, that kind of a deal. But, uh, we wasn't best buds. I mean, uh, I learned a long time ago, best buddies ain't, ain't very good to have. It didn't seem like back then, but, uh, I don't know. I, I was more, more of a, not not a loner. I just didn't, you know. I, I, I grew up with in a big family, but I did spend a lot of time alone, uh, and I enjoyed my time alone. You know, I mean, well, you had a house full of kids too. Well, yeah, and I had a house full of kids, and, and you know, uh, and it wasn't that I just didn't want to go shoot pool or go do this, go do that. You know, it, it, I, I realized that caused a lot of arguments with families, and it wasn't worth it to me to, you know. To, to to have fights and arguments over stuff like that, I could stay busy right there at home, you know, play with the kids a little while, play my guitar a little while, go to bed, get up, go to work, over and over and over. But, uh, we weren't the best of buds, but, you know, I, I can't think of any problem. We never had a fight or argument or nothing like that, but it's just, uh, there's nothing like they try to portray we were best friends. It was uh, like a... We'd, we'd live there maybe a year before we ran into him, and I think a total of three years I lived there, so I may have known him a year and a half. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't nothing like that. Uh, so let's move on to, like you said, boys were found. They supposedly caught the people that did it, put them to trial. Yeah. And it's over was, with. Uh, and then this is this is something you're just working to get past. I know you were, you were close to Stevie, right, and I know yeah, it affected uh, you. Yeah, but, I mean, it's... I I went to work. And see, we're 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 looking and and we're trying. Me and Jackie, especially, we're talking amongst ourselves quite a bit, and and we're trying to think of where else to look. And I remember asking Terry. I said, "Well, his friends. He's been to every one of them's house. Have you called them? You know, or have they looked to see if he was maybe hiding in the house or 
I mean, you know, and he's, uh, it, he said, man, uh, looked at the time or something. I can't remember. Or I might have said, wonder what time it is. But anyway, it was getting on a little bit after two. And, and, and he says, man, uh, you know, uh, only me and you know that route tomorrow's. You, uh, one of us needs to be there. And I said, well, that's a no brainer. I mean, you need to find Stevie. So, you know, uh, I'll be there. I mean, ain't no problem. I said, I, I can wake up and, yeah, well, it's almost there. And I said, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, just take me to the house, I guess. And I said, I'll, I'll tell them tomorrow, that, you know, you stayed out looking for Stevie. And I said, just let me know if you find him. Just let me know something. I went to work the next day, and I'd done his route. And uh, I, I, it's, back then, I mean, we didn't have him cell phones. It's like, you know, I think there was a few had cell phones on the market, but I couldn't afford one. But anyway. I can remember I listened to the radio doing that route, and uh, you know, and you'd hear about it in the mornings that they're they're looking, and uh, I think they tell you that they've got the uh, search and rescue team. You know, uh, is it is either coming or they've been there uh, or just got there? I don't remember. There's just little updates every now and then on the radio station that I found, and I tried to listen as I'm doing that route. And uh, I, I got over into, I think, Mississippi, and I started losing that signal, you know, and I couldn't pick that channel up, and I couldn't find another station. So I'd make it back, like, you know, it might have been 3 o'clock. Make it back, and i have to take all my tickets of the ice cream I sold, and the, this uh, this elderly woman there, uh, I can't think of her name, but you take the tickets to her along with the money you collected, and she tallies you up, and that's a good 15, 20-minute process, you know. I went through all that, and I'm asking, you know, her, Miss Paris is what it was. I said, I said, has, uh, has Terry been by? Has Terry called or anything? And she says, well, uh, I heard something about, you know, Terry, but she said, I can't swear to what it was. And, you know, so I, I'm assuming he might have got a hold of the owner, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, they might have said something. So I'm sitting there, and I get tallied out, and uh, I come back out to my truck, which is it's in the warehouse. And now I have to just make a quick list of what I need loaded up for the next day and pass it to the guy in the warehouse, and I'm ready to go home. And uh, I can't remember if it was the, the, the owner, John Reaver was his name, but he, I don't remember if it was him or his brother come in there, and it said something about uh, they'd found the kids earlier. And I thought, all right, you know. And then he said, they were dead. Wow. You know, that just blew my mind. And uh I'm thinking it was that day that, uh, that afternoon, maybe, uh, see, that was on a Wednesday that, you know, they, they, they were missing was, was Wednesday afternoon. And, uh, and this was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a Thursday, the very next day. And, uh, it was late in the afternoon and I'm getting ready to leave. I done handed my list and, uh, Terry comes in. And I said, dude, what, well, are you all right? You know, and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, he, I said, well, who were they? And he goes, man, we walked right by them. I said, well, how, well, how could we miss them, Terry? I, we walked right by them. He said, we walked right by them. You know that pipe? We walked right by them. And that's all, and that's where he left it. And I, and I know that's what stayed in my head this whole time thinking that they were found at that pipe. But, uh. So he actually came to the work? Yes. After yes, they found them? Yes. Uh. And I, I'm, I'm thinking it was that day. If it wasn't that day, it was the very next day because it was right there close, you know. But that's what he said. We walked right by him. And, and, and I mean, it, it, that was in my head. And, and it's been there until 07 when I found out that there was actually a place, a tributary that run into the bio. And it was back to the east of uh, that pipe. Did it, you know, I, I, I think, you know what? How did I walk right by them? I mean, that's bugged me a lot because I've never, the area they found those kids, I never in my life have been there. Never. I can tell you, I didn't, I don't go out walking through fields and ditches and all that stuff. It, you know, the night the kids was missing, I did. I walked with, you know. Lots of people out there, but I did not go that far. When I went to the Blue Beacon, I went to the east side on that little road he took us to and parked, and I walked straight to the southwest towards the apartments to try to find that pipe. I never once went over here. 
you know, like I say, that, that's that's why I, I believe that it stuck in my head that they were found at the pipe because he said we walked right by them, and we did. We walked right by that pipe. If they wasn't found over here by the blue beacon, by the fence where we parked, and I walked straight out, then I didn't walk right by them. And, uh, man, it's just, uh, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, they, they it wasn't long. I mean, it might have been a week or two, you know. I'm not sure because I really didn't keep up with it. But when I did hear that they had had suspects and arrested them, you know, it was like a relief. But it wasn't settled in my head, you know, because I couldn't, you know. I mean, I, I just tried to not think about it, and it was hard to do. And, it, and I really never did accomplish not thinking about it. There's so many things that goes on, you know, and uh, it triggered. And this is one of them, unfortunately. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, uh, man, it's, uh, it just blows me away, man. I would never expect anything like this. Well, let's, let's talk about what happened after that. Cause you mentioned 2007 when things changed. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Little Rock working. Me and my brother's doing a job uh, for the uh, VA there in Little Rock. And one day, I think it was lunchtime, you know, we went back to our apartment and uh, was eating. And uh, I'm sitting there talking to somebody. I don't know. I had a cell phone then, you know, of course. And uh, he come in and he said, hey, little brother, come here. Come here. And, uh, I mean, he calls me little brother because he's bigger than I am. He, I'm older than he is. He's bigger than he said, hey, little brother, come here. Man, they're about to rest your buddy on TV. And I thought, what are you talking about? You know, and I go in there and they talk about Terry Hobbs. And I go, what are they talking about? He said, man, they're saying he killed them kids. And man, I just, boy, I just, <laughs> oh, man, you know. So that was on local news before they ever talked to you. Oh, yes. Yes. As far as I remember, yes. And that's when I heard, I, and I just, you know, I, I thought, what? And I'm trying to listen and listen. And he's telling me what he's been hearing, you know, because I was in another room talking on the phone and he's, you know, Gives me a little bit of a rundown of what he thought he heard or what he heard. And, and uh, he, the way I remember him saying it, you know, is they found evidence that he had done it. And I thought, man, you know, no way. I said, that ain't right. You know, I mean, he, there ain't no way he did that. And, and, you know, so I tried to listen more and more and I'd hear a little bit of details and I'd hear that that wasn't correct, that this was what they said or this is what they meant. And uh, it, it kind of just all, you know, back and forth. And, uh, and I'm trying to wonder what's going on. And, uh, and uh, I was back in Memphis and uh, doing a, a Saint job at St. Jude, and, and uh, this is still going on. But I hadn't. The only people I'd ran into or actually tried to dodge was uh, I don't, I, there was some some uh, people making a movie. I don't know if it was documentary or what it was. It was just you know uh, they'd left a card and and. I, I don't remember who they were, but it was something to do with this. And I don't, it wasn't HBO. I don't remember it being HBO. It was something else, but I, uh, something, it seemed like I said Star, something Star or something. But anyway. It's probably I, west of Memphis. I dodged them. I mean, I dodged them, dodged them, dodged them. I wouldn't answer my phone. I wouldn't do nothing, man. I just didn't, I really, I didn't know, you know, what to do. I mean, uh, I didn't want to talk about it, for one. And I, maybe you can see why. I mean, it, it just, I didn't want to have nothing to do, but finally they tracked me down at work, you know. Uh, but this is after Terry had showed up at, at uh, St. Jude's there on the, on the job I was doing and come in the office, and and I'm sitting there, and he says, you know, that little smirk and grin, what are you doing? Well, I'm working. What are you doing? Lady? I thought they done put you in jail, you know. Ah, man, that's bullshit, isn't it? These, uh, there's more evidence they've got. They just didn't use it. And these people are trying to make this and this and this. And he said, they're just going, they're just trying to put me and you in jail. I said, what do you mean, me and you? Yeah, well, they're saying me and you kill him. I said, I ain't heard my name mentioned yet. Oh, you will. You will. And I, you know, I, it's kind of a weird joke, dude. I mean, I, you know, hey, I, what are they going to put me in jail for, for riding with you to go look for them kids, you know? And he said, oh, no, they got this. They said this. But that's all right. The prosecutor said he's got, you know, this setback and this setback. So if he needs it, I mean, they got the ones that done it. Just don't let it bother you. 
And then he starts talking about what we did. And, and I'm listening to him, and he's saying a few things. No, I didn't do that, man. I sure didn't. I can tell you. I can remember, you know. I might not be able to remember step by step by step in the exact time, but I know where it went, and I know what I did. And it ain't adding up to what you're saying. He said, well, you did. I mean, you know, I mean, you might you might not remember. It's been a while. No, Terry, I know where I went. I know what I did. But it, it wasn't, and I was thinking, why is he even, you know, why do you want to? persist that because it was it was nothing real big it was just more or less a, a longer stretch you know of where you know we did and and she and I, and putting you with him for more of the time more of the time yeah right. and, and and that started clicking on me and i thought that was kind of odd and i just i started just whoa back away you know and uh he calls one morning and he says hey Oh, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to work. What are you doing? He said, oh, I'm fixing to sue the fuck out of the ditching chicks. You ought to join in there with me. I said, wait. You know, and I'm, this is something else new to me because I ain't heard nothing about it. Right. Well, what are you going to sue the ditching chicks for? Right. <laughs> well, they called me and you killed us. I said, they what? He said, yeah, I, yeah, I got a lawyer and he, we're going to get $3 million. And he said, you ought to just come on and join in with us. And, and I said, yeah, I don't want no part of that bullshit, Terry. I said, man. What do you mean they said it? And it, so I started getting more information, you know, about it. And uh, they never once said my name. Why the hell right. I want to sue them, you know? And I, I, I told him after just about a week or so, he called back one of uh, if I wanted to go with him meet his lawyer. And I said, oh, man, I got to work. I got a job to do. I said, hey. I said, man, they didn't say my name. I said, I mean, they might have said your name, but I said, I, I listened to something, and I said, it didn't say nothing about my name. I said, now, they might have said Terry and his friend. I said, but, uh, you know, am I your only friend or something? Is that, is that why you're saying me? But, you know, I just, I shrugged that shit off and let it go and, and it'd go for a little while, you know, and I made the mistake of giving him my cell phone number and oh my God, the call coming and coming and coming, you know, and I finally got to where I just wouldn't even answer. At this point, nobody's, you haven't talked to any investigators. No, yet. that I can remember. No, it was right shortly after that though. That's when they, uh, I think they came to my house first, or they might have come to mom's. Either way, uh, left a number and I called. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, I want to see, you know, ask me some questions. I ain't got nothing to hide. I mean, I'll just tell them, you know, hey, uh, this is what I've done. I'll see you guys later. Good luck, you know. But, wow, I mean, it's it's uh, it snowballed, uh, you know. Uh, I tell them what I could remember and, you know, to, to the best of my memory and, and the times I could, you know, all I could do is go by what I normally did. And then, you know, if I normally got here at this time and then all of a sudden Terry showed up, then I, I would have to go from there and try to, you know, piece it back together for him. And I, and I figured that'd be tough, but it wouldn't be that bad. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it went from, you know, this one asked me a few questions to, can you come by the office and you can you do this to coming back with a FBI profiler or a former FBI profiler? And I thought, man myself man it's kind of weird you know no serious and uh you know and, and it, so the guys talking to me you know uh rachel geyser and uh john douglas and one more person i, I don't remember who it was it, may, it was a woman i believe uh, another woman but anyway you know and he's telling me all these things about terry terry's past and i never knew none of this you know and he didn't have nothing but more than this book like that and and he's Sitting there telling me just one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. And I'm saying, look, man, I said, uh, you got anything to prove what you're saying? I said, I, I, I don't, I don't know Terry that well. I said, I, I've never heard of none of this, but, uh, I said, now, you know, if those, those kids didn't do it, they don't need to be in prison, but I can't afford to take their place, but I got a family, you know, I mean, I, I've done nothing. Why, why are you guys all on me? You know, and, uh, you know, and he, he just looked at me and he said, well, you know, we're kind of hoping, hoping you would help and uh, tell us about wh what y'all done that night. And I said, I've told you. I've told you guys what I've done, you know, and it was more like, well, was that all? Was that all? And I, I hate somebody do me like that. If I if I tell you something, I, I'd used to get my ass tore up if I, <laughs> if I led, you know, somebody astray, mm -hmm. you know, if I didn't tell them the truth. And, uh. And it's, it's, it gets me in trouble sometimes because sometimes you really don't need to tell somebody the truth, you know. I mean, there's sometimes that you've got to kind of send them to the side a little bit to ease them, you know, cool them down. And and and, and uh, 
Mom can tell you the times I've got my ass tore up because somebody had said something and I wasn't supposed to say nothing, but it's the truth and I said it, you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's got me a bunch of times. And when they ask me, I tell them, I told them the truth. I didn't tell them nothing else. And it was just hard for me to imagine why they would, you know, be persistent, persistent. And finally, I just thought, well, I could shut him up right here. That's only a notebook. You, you bring me proof of what you just told me about Terry. I said, you do that. And I'll, and I'll do what you need me to do to help you see if, if he's going to trip up. I said, I know what I've done with Terry. I said, and, you know, I might not know every moment and could tag every moment with every detail, but I could tell you from one end to the other what I did and what, when he was with me. So you bring me proof of what you just telling me that Terry has done in the past, that he's that way, and I'll help you. And he said, I'll be back. And that, I didn't see him for a while, you know, and I didn't hear from him. I didn't see him. And I thought, wow, maybe, you know, maybe he'd give up. That wasn't the case. He showed back up at my door. This time he had a file. And, and, it, and looking back, he could have probably sat in the back of that car and shoved all that together from something he bought at Walmart. But uh, I guess this was that, John Douglas yes, you're talking about, right? John yeah. Douglas. With that playing on my mind, I mean, that I thought, well, man, he brought the shit. Oh, God, you know, and. And I told him, you know, he got to saying, well, let's see, in, you know, 1980-something, he did this. And uh, he got uh, this in 19, and I just, you know, and I said, what do you want me to do? I mean, uh, you know, I, I, ever since he left there, and I actually thought, well, what if he comes back with proof? I've got to, you know, I've got to help him. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, before they all got a hold of me, I'd hear it on the radio going to work. You know, they'd talk about the kids and talk about a Two million or two hundred thousand dollar reward, and I'm thinking, man, you know, uh, did this dude do this while I was at home or something? I mean, my God, I can't. Ah, oh, you know, and it, it, it just, I mean, I'm driving, driving along, I'm going to work. That drive from here to Memphis was my quiet time, you know, and I enjoyed that quiet time. A little bit of music on the radio, and I'm thinking about what I've got to do today at work, and all of a sudden this. West Memphis stuff comes on and they go talking about Terry and then they go mentioning vaguely me in a, in a sense. I know it because I know it's me they're talking about. And I'm, you know, my heart just, I mean, flush, I, my whole body's flush. I'm, I'm barely hanging on that steering wheel thinking, what, man, what, what, what did he do? Why, you know, oh my God. And I'm, I'm, my mind's doing a hundred different thousand things trying to figure out what in the hell I'm going to do. And, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to figure out, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, man, if they'd have left me alone, because the whole time before they got a hold of me, I'd hear that, and I'm thinking, you know, they're talking about they're going to have an interview, interview with Terry. I see something on the news, they'll, they'll quote something he said, and I read it in the paper, and it'd be another quote of what he did, or what we supposedly did, or what we did do, and I'd, I think, man, you know, you know, if he did that, I said, I, I, I could listen to him. If he slips up, then I probably got a pretty good sense. He did it, you know, and I, I started listening to every interview, quote, everything to see if I could catch him, you know, in my head. But before I could get all the stuff into my head, that's when they popped up with that. And, uh, uh, that, you know, it, it just blew, it blew me away. But anyway, he, you know, uh, John Douglas had said he, he had a pretty good idea on, on a few things we could try, to, you know, to see. I mean, I, I want the one that done it as bad as anybody else. Maybe not as bad as the families, but just as much, I think. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, I, I wound up wearing the, uh, calling him on the phone with, you know, phone tap being recorded, you know, and uh, John had come up with a scenario of, you know, questions to ask him and, uh, when to ask him and, you know, uh, piece together from what we actually did and what he was trying to say we, where we went and what what we did. And, so they were uh, trying to catch Terry to yeah, admit see, something we, to you, right? And so you know, and he would. Uh, uh, we we did phone calls uh, with, with phone tap. Uh, I wore wires to restaurants uh, and met him to eat. I uh, sat in my truck and uh, had him on. On the phone, with the phone being, you know, with the conversation recorded. Uh, it's just, it, it was the best, uh, the most I could get out of him was, you know, fuck him, fuck him. And, uh, 
And I'm saying, they, they, you know, they're not, they're, they're persistent. They're, they won't go, I can't just tell them, fuck you, they're going to go away and leave me alone. I said, they're, every day they're here, they're beating on my door, they're beating on mom's door, they're beating at the office, they're calling the office. I said, it's got to stop. You know, sit down and talk to them. Fuck them. <laughs> I ain't got to tell them shit. And I'm, you know, I, I'm thinking, well, why would you not want to? Because I ain't got to tell them a damn thing. I said, Terry, if you tell them what, what we did that night, maybe they'd leave you alone. No, they just want to put us in prison. They want us to take their place. I said, why are you keep saying us? I said, look, you know as well as I know. My time with you was limited that night. It was scattered and limited. I said, it wasn't, you know, you were here and I was here. And, and from, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, we was side by side. I said, it wasn't like that. And uh, it wasn't long before, you know, I got to uh, interview with the police, which they, you know, they never come by. I expected them to come by. I remember going to work and, you know, and telling my wife, I said, you know, if, uh, if the police department comes by, because, you know, and I'm thinking, well, They'd done, Stevie done something, or, or, you know, one of his friend's parents may have done something, and they're going to be a lawsuit or something, and it didn't, I guess and maybe it did in the back of my head, but, you know, I'm thinking, you know, it's something simple, something that's going to be resolved, and he's probably going to get grounded and spanking and all this, but anyway, it, it, you know, they never came by to see me, they never come by to ask any questions, so I'm thinking they got to wrap it, you know, wrapped it up tight, they, they had what they needed. Uh, I know I'm bouncing all around here, but that's what I tell you, I can't. No, that's all right. Man, if this was on, if this was on train track, I'd have done fell. <laughs> man, I'd have I'd blowed off a long time ago, man. No, you're fine. Um, so some things I I just want to make sure that we point out and put on the records. I think a lot yeah. of people don't know this. You voluntarily put yourself in the position to get Terry on the phone tap. You voluntarily yes. agreed to go wiretapping wiretap. and go in person with him. Um, and then something that I know a lot of people don't know about, you actually agreed to be hypnotized to try to help remember something. Anything. I mean, I was, uh, you know, at one point, uh, I said I'd give my life to know I still would. Just to know who the son of a bitch was that did that. I'm 54 now. I mean, I've lived, I've lived a pretty good life. I mean, I I, one thing I've never hurt nobody. That's one thing I do. But man, just to know who done that, I would give my life for that. They could tell me right now, sitting here, and then cut my throat afterwards. As long as somebody heard it, just so we'd know, because some fish like that don't need to be around. You sure don't need to be on the street. But yeah, I volunteered. He uh, also voluntarily gave. DNA, swabs, blood test, hair, all that stuff. I'd give them everything, anything they wanted. It don't, it, you know, uh, I mean, not just because I just want to jump up and volunteer. I want them to leave me alone. But then again, I want to know who did it. And if that's what it takes is to cut my hair and take it with you or take my cigarette butts with you or, you know, whatever, take it. Don't matter. I mean, uh. So I, I want to point out that, you know, after John Douglas spent quite a bit of time with you, and I just spoke with Rachel Geyser yesterday about you that both of them, John Douglas has written in his books about it, believe you have nothing to do with this. Well, he's right. I, I, I've, and I've, I've told them all from the beginning. I, I don't, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe it's just the way a person feels when he's being accused of things like this, but I, I mean, I, I can't look at myself. I can tell you what I've done myself, but I can't be out there looking at myself and say, yeah, you look guilty or, or you know. Well, uh, well, this is where things got get twisted because, you know, I know said Rachel spent quite a bit of time with you. Yeah. And, you know, the, the world's most renowned criminal behavior analyst spent time with you. Both of them said you had nothing to do with it. And then the third third uh, sequel of Paradise Lost and uh -huh. West of Memphis come out. And, you know, they, they, they didn't. They didn't say that you had anything to do with it, but there was there was there was a hair they supposedly found somewhere. Maybe in the woods insinuated that I did. I, that I, I, and, I, and and we went and we went through that the result of that DNA yeah. test that says that that it only that it would match seven percent of the people in the world. That's you know, a, it's 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 not a, a close. It's not a it's not your hair. Right. It's not a match. They like can't exclude said, you. That's right. And they even said there's an anomaly in it that doesn't match yours, but they 
some words that neither one of you and I understood or could right. re- could read out loud, but it said that it could be because of the, it could be because yes. of this, and we can't exclude. I've read it says we just can't exclude you. From right, it. and that, and this word they used is I tried all day long, even since last night. I mean, I've been on with Shannon and Tia. If they know this word, because it could be my hair, but this. Well, why don't they check this and see when this started? Because if they can tell it's, you know, a lot of things. they are. And so, you know, I, I just come to the conclusion myself that uh, that hair, that one word because of this was more of a, I'd say, a defense thought word. Where if, if the prosecution had sent that to the lab to get tested, that word would not be there. It would be a not match, I believe, but I may be wrong. But since it's the defense paying the bill, I, and, and, and I may be wrong. I'm not going to say, I don't know how all this stuff works. Well, I just know it ain't none of it been working in my favor. And, and at the end of the day, you know, when, when, because I work a lot of these cases, when, when somebody is convicted or, or shown a DNA match, they will say, this DNA matches, we can't, they'll say that we can't exclude you. And this DNA is unique enough that only one out of 47 million people would have this same DNA. In this case, it says 7% of the, you know, so you know, one out of 20 people, one out of 18 people all match what they have. And, and the way I had it described to me in layman terms was like a DNA profile will have, say, and this is an act, but say there, there's, there's 20 different A, B, C, D, 20 different lines. And in this particular hair, they were only able to find, say, nine out of 20 lines that they can identify. Right. And they check yours, and out of those, you have nine of those same, but there's still, you know, 11 more that we have no idea if they're whose they are. And so, but in any case, so that, so Douglas, Geyser, they don't think you have anything to do with it. They talk about this hair in the west of Memphis. They talk, they hit a little bit on that, they showed that you were trying to help. Maybe see if Terry knew anything. And then after that, the internet happened. And, and if we can, I'd like to, and I know it's, it's, it's rough on you. And I know you've told me before we did this that you don't want to make this about you. But one thing that I want to do, because not just for you, but for the other people this has happened to, if you could talk about how your life has changed from the time this happened until now, when people start pointing fingers at you and accusing you yeah, it's, of killing those three little boys. It's, uh, it's very painful. Uh, you know, I mean, for one, I'm not, I'm not the type to do that. I mean, I love kids. I love children. I was, was a big family, and I feel more comfortable around a big family. Uh, I'd never hurt a kid, for one. Uh, I can't even spank my own without feeling bad, and, uh, and I, I try not to. I mean, growing up, they... Uh, and when they needed it, I couldn't give it to them. You know, I mean, I just never, never have been able to. Uh, I've had mine tore up when I was a kid a few times, and it, it, it's not it, the way I've seen it. It's not, it's not hard to to be mistaken, and and you take that whipping, and it's. I don't know how other people deal with it, but it, to me, it, it really it was it's, it, it hurts, and it, and it stays with you. And, and, I, and it's something I've told myself since I was a kid getting them whippings that I wasn't going to be like that. And I've kept my word. Uh, it's cost me some, you know. I've had uh, my, my kids were a little bit rambunctious, you know, and, and probably wouldn't have done as much, you know. Uh, uh, I don't want to say mean stuff, but, you know. Uh, a little hell raising. Yeah, they wouldn't have been like that maybe if I would have. But uh, it's. It's it's got me to where you know well it got to the point I really couldn't do anything. I mean, if driving to work, I'd hear it on the radio. You know, uh, coming home, I'd get get home, watch the news. I'd hear it on the news. They'd call me on the telephone. It got to the point at work where you know, you know, I I, I had some pretty good jobs there, and I was responsible for a lot of people, and and I had a lot lot to do, and uh, you know, I had a like I don't know sixty five seventy guys. That I, I I had to watch at uh, in Memphis at an airport job and and you know I was 
Right. I was responsible for the safety. I was responsible for just keep the job on track. I was responsible for uh, you know, staying on budget. I, you know, and, and and I enjoyed it. But uh, once this all blew up, oh God, it meant you know you have strangers walking up to you because they seen your name and and they, you know, here they come with these questions and, and some wouldn't even bother about the questions. They just say, hey, you want to help kill them kids, aren't you? And they, and they, you know, I. It, it, I mean, people could, you know, like somebody like Hobbs, ah, fuck you, <laughs> and walk on and not worry about it. But it it sticks it to me for some reason, and I don't like it. And uh, it got to the point where I really, I, I could tell I was losing it at work. I couldn't do my job, uh, and and I couldn't, I couldn't keep nothing on my mind, you know. And I, and I was worried, you know, somebody was going to get hurt. Uh, actually, we had a few people that, that wasn't mine, but they, they did get hurt. And, uh, Oh, I, I had administered first aid to a couple of them. And then I'd hear that so-and-so said, well, you better watch him. You might not come out of there alive. And uh, they, you know, it, it got to where I couldn't take it more, you know. And uh, uh, some people that just never heard about it, you know, and they would just hear it from some, you know, asshole that wanted to, you know, make, fun of it or light of it or whatever you want to call it but uh it, it was hurtful and it's and uh you know uh I, I basically just i gave up on it i mean uh you know uh you know I, I i've got a lot of friends there in memphis and uh a lot of them do this kind of work i mean i've done several jobs in st jude since 1986 if it was built i was there i was done and and i had a you know, there's a lot of friends there, and uh, I, I hated to be around that. And and this come come out, and you know, I mean, the people that knew me would tell me, you know, we know that's a bunch of bull, don't we? But then, you know, the five that knew you it didn't make up for the twenty five that didn't know you. And uh, I, I, you walk through the gates, and, and then you see the people, and they're looking at you, and you, it's just you know, you know what they're thinking, and you. You tell yourself you know what they're thinking, and uh, and I, I slowly faded out of that. I didn't, uh, you know, uh, my kids. There's one for you. I got a call, and it was in uh, 07. And uh, my oldest son had been. They were pinned down in a, you know. Ambush and, and Bangram. He was in, in, in uh, Iraq. And this is a day after. And uh, he got to a phone. He called me. He said, Dad, what the hell's going on? These people are up here asking me, you know, what do I know about West Memphis? And why was I out there with them kids? You know, and, and he's up there in fucking war. And they're spouting that shit out. And, uh, and his, I mean, all over the Internet and shit, you know. And he's... It's, I mean, I don't know. I'm just thankful it didn't get to him enough that he just, you know, just stood up and talked. Because I know I would. I would probably not forgot where I was at and just stood up and said, what the fuck are they talking about, you know? And they don't realize that what they say, it don't affect just who they're talking to. Who they're talking to has family, you know? And he's got kids. He's got grandkids. He's got a mother. And I don't, I don't appreciate it really. I don't. I, I, I don't know what I can do about it. There's nothing to really do about it. But uh, it's real hurtful and painful and hateful, if you ask me. I mean, uh, I hear a lot of things. You know, so and so did this, so and so did that. But you know, I don't hop to the internet or social media and go pointing fingers, accusing them, tell them you know, you know, I know, and it's just, it's, it's just, I don't know. I, it's I don't funny. have no more better words for it. It's, it's just it's, it's ignorant. It's stupid. Uh, you know, a uh, hundred years from now, that's whatever you want to do. I hear him talk all the time. Jesse James did this. And he didn't get caught. But I'm not Jesse James, and it's not in the 1800s. I mean, you know, things are different. And, uh, well, after you left Memphis, it followed you here. I mean, you were Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's followed me everywhere I went. I mean, uh, 
I mean, I don't try to change my name or hide or nothing like that. I've done nothing to hide, but it just, it's like a, just a reoccurring nightmare every damn day. I mean, you know, you might get a day or two without it, but eventually you run into somebody and, and you know, and if you have to show your license or, or you give them your name, oh, it just, you know, it, it triggers an avalanche of bullshit. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I've just, I've, I've just withdrawn in my own little circle, I guess, is what you might say. Uh, you know, a, a whole different line of work and a whole lot less pay, but it's uh, peaceful for now. But when they, you know, when the word trickles down, I mean, these people that just hadn't known me very long, you know, they, they're not going to know what to believe. Uh, and, and I can't blame them. If they got kids, maybe, you know, if there's a doubt in their mind, you know, I mean, it, it just, there's a million ways it can affect somebody and why they want to do that. Knowing, and I know they know. I mean, I've, I've seen it myself. I've heard people tell them. I've seen people, you know, uh, post them uh, to them, uh, tag them, whatever they want to call it on the internet that, you know, what they're doing, you know, actually it affects more than just that one person that you seem to know, but you don't know, that you never met, and they don't care. They come right back with the vile shit. Uh, like, uh, you know, this Ken Swindle, you know. Men don't know me. I've done nothing to him. I've done nothing to anybody, but he's a lawyer, and he's going to throw me in the mix with this uh, Danny Owens or whatever he's uh, Supposed to be a private detective or something, and uh, I mean, that's Swindle crazy, was the one man. that didn't, didn't they subpoena you to? Uh, oh yeah, they, uh, what was supposed to be some kind of lawsuit? Yeah, uh, Pam Hicks and uh, uh, Mark, John Mark Byers versus the city of West Memphis to see some evidence. And I'm, you know, when I get the subpoena, I'm worried. What I don't know nothing about what they got for evidence. I, what do they do? I don't know what they're talking about. And uh, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's something they want to, you know, maybe I. Maybe they want to know, did I see the bicycles or did I see this? Because I know, you know, they showed where they pulled them out of the water. And I, I'm steadily thinking, what are they wanting, you know? And uh, so I, I show up in court like I was subpoenaed to do. I mean, and, uh, <laughs> they get in there and they go through their, some of their legal proceedings, which I'm just, it's, they're speaking Greek to me. I don't know what they're talking about, you know? Uh, I've been to court on speeding tickets. That's basically about it. And, uh, I had not a clue what they were talking about. And then they get towards the end and, and uh, uh, they come up with this supposed letter from a uh, guy in prison that's uh, in prison for 40 years for rape and uh, burglary and some other things. But uh, he claimed that he'd got a confession from a friend of his that actually died a, a while back. But before he died, he told this guy that, that uh, himself and, and me and Terry and one other guy uh, had killed those kids and and I thought man you know I mean this to me I've he I heard the story before I haven't been able to put it all together but it was basically a story that was told with uh, either th two or three of the, the kids that was accused of it and they just took my name and, and, and Terry's name and added it added it in there and took a couple out or th took three out and added three in is what it boiled down to but anyway uh, these guys never knew me this lawyer didn't know me. Uh, this uh, private detective, if he was a private detective, then he didn't do his job or he would have seen, you know, you know they don't know nothing about me yet. They're going to, you know, throw it out there. And to me, what happened is this Owens and, and Swindle got together. Why well, I don't know, you know, other than my name was out there because, you know, Terry and Mark Byers and then they, Go and they have a, a, a going little jailhouse talk with uh, one of these four guys or two of them. I don't know how many they talked to, but I'm sure this is what had happened. And they went and they offered him something, either uh, maybe to help represent him, uh, maybe he's going to get an appeal, or or maybe just a lighter sentence, or maybe commissary money to write this letter confessing that he heard a confession from a guy that you know all this shit went down and I was there and I'd you know, help commit the murders. And, you know, and I'm thinking I've done talk to Rachel Geyser. I've talked to uh, uh, John Douglas. Uh, I mean, Ron Lacks. Uh, well, there's several of them defense people that I've talked to, and I never once shied away from them. But I'm sure 
that somewhere in there, one of them has gotten with these guys and Swindle went and done his little deed to get this letter written to the prosecuting attorney. The prosecuting attorney seen through the bullshit, so he done nothing about the letter. It's supposedly been there a year, and uh, he said nothing. But anyway, and so the letter goes into court, and I go to court, and once they get through the little talk about seeing uh, evidence and they're denied that, then I think Swindle throws this letter, which the judge already had, but, I mean, he throws it out so the media could see it. And, uh, and uh, points at me on camera and, and, and tells them I'm I'm a child murderer. I'm the one that uh, one of the guys that was responsible for that. But uh, like I said, they, you know, they done talk to me. And in my mind, I'm saying, you know, I know they've checked it. I know they checked it. I was at work. So all this stuff he's talking about me being out in them woods that day and buying alcohol, smoking marijuana, and doing God knows what else. And then. Uh, then ultimately killing these kids. I'm at work. I mean, I've got proof of that, but it, it does no good. It's, it's like you're talking to that chair there. I mean, it's the way you described it to me. He's only, he stood up in open court with cameras on him yes. and media and pointed at you. And he stood up and John Mark Byers stood up and pointed at me. And you know, uh, Byers, he, he don't care if he was in church on Sunday morning. That's if he's got it in his mind, he's going to say something stupid. He's going to say it as loud as he can. And he did right there in the court. And so did Ken Swindle right at the camera, right at me. And, uh, they told him I was a child murderer. And, uh, I mean, that is, that's, that runs right up there close to when, uh, I was thrown, uh, the pictures of, of the boys that were killed in, uh, in an envelope and told to look at it. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I can't believe I figured that part out on my own, but I did. I, I, I figured that was crime scene photos and I wasn't looking and I threw them back. And, uh, and he told me, I did, what's wrong? You don't want to look at your handiwork. And those two feelings I got from there and from that courtroom, it was the same. I mean, I think if I had just a little bit of a heart ailment, I'd probably killed over. And, uh, you know, I, I want to hang on long enough for, to find out who it was that did it, because I, I don't want to go and have that pinned on me. I didn't do shit, you know, and I wouldn't. But I don't know why, why they persist with this, man. But that's the, that's the feelings I got from both of those was, was pretty equal, you know. Uh, being thrown some pictures of some dead boys, one that you knew, and being told on TV that you're a murderer. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I can't. It's hard to deal with. Uh, I wish it was over. I wish it would hurry up and get over. Uh, well, I think we've covered everything that I want to cover here. I just got one last question for you and we'll wrap it up. And yeah. the question I have is this has been really, really hard on you. You've never done an interview like this before. Why did you decide to sit down and interview with me today? Oh, uh, well, ever since this started, uh, it seems like everybody that come along was there to help me. And, uh, I don't ask for help. I don't. I, I deal with it myself. But I trusted them that they were there to help. Maybe, you know, maybe it was true. Maybe they would help and maybe they would find, you know, who, the answer to this. But uh, most of them, about all of them come find out, you know, they had their own agenda. They were wanting to sell a book, sell a movie, uh, sell a jewelry. I don't know. It's just. You know, I mean, you know, I dodged you there for a while, kind of, and, uh, and it wasn't because I just didn't want to talk or nothing. I just, I don't know who to trust anymore. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a sucker for what I take his hat off. You'd probably read it across my forehead, sucker. But I just trusted, uh, you know, I'd talk to mom. She talked to me and she told me, you seem very up and up and, uh, I talked to some other people that me and you both know now, but, you know, uh, and I kept trying to shy away from it, shy away from it, but I can't deal with it much longer. And uh, I don't want to turn that one person down that's going to help. And I hope you're it. I really do. I pray that you're it. Uh, I've heard some good stuff about you, and that's, you know, uh, I remember me asking you about where you lived. I got a buddy that lives up there, and uh, he's a real good friend. And, uh, and I was going to get him to 
go by and see you and talk to you. And I know it's, you know, I mean, not in any kind of bad way. Just, you know, I wanted, I wanted him to come and talk to you and just, because I know he knows me. And even though he didn't know me then, he knows me. And uh, he's a lot like me, except he's, he's able to distinguish, you know, a little bit better, you know, good people from bad people. I'm not, I give everybody a shot. I'm not, you know, who am I to judge? I don't never judge people like that. And, uh, and that's why, I mean, you know, uh, uh, I believe in to do unto others and I try that. And it's worked for me to a point, but uh, I don't judge not lest ye be judged. I, I believe in that too. And, uh, and I, I've, uh, since I was a kid, I've tried to use that, you know, and that's, uh, it's got me a long way, but it won't get me over this hump. And uh, I just hope you're the one to do it. And so I agreed to it because I can't take it. The two hours of interview that you've heard over the last two weeks with David were the result of over a year of me getting to know David and working with him and helping him to get a better grasp on his timeline by using techniques taught to me by Jim Clementi, like cognitive interviews, and then we use known markers like historical weather data and police dispatch logs to narrow down all of these times. As you could hear in the interview, all of this was extremely emotional and extremely stressful for David, not only for him to open himself up to public scrutiny once again, but also to put himself through reliving the events of that night all over again. I personally want to thank David for taking the time and putting forth the effort to do whatever he can to hopefully help us solve the case of the forgotten West Memphis Three. As of right now, we need to continue putting pressure onto Scott Ellington via phone, email, social media to try to convince him to send the evidence to be tested. David is just another victim in this horrible crime whose life has been destroyed and has never had a sense of closure for losing the young boy that he had grown so close to. And the only way that we're ever going to solve this case once and for all is to get the evidence tested. So keep pushing, keep writing, be persistent, and as always, be respectful. As far as where we're going with the podcast from here on out, as of right now, if nothing changes, next week is going to be our conclusion for now of Season 5. I'm going to do a wrap-up episode for where we're at at this point in the investigation, and then next week we're going to move into our new case. So Season 8 is going to begin in two weeks. But... As I said, we have one more week to wrap things up with the West Memphis 3 case, and we'll be doing that next week on Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing and sound engineering by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. I'd like to thank Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month. We also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. 
If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email, theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. I personally can be found on social media at Bob Ruff Truth, and Mike can be found at Merb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Baking pastries at 5 and open at 6. 100th cappuccino by 8, 200th customer by 9, and there's still 12 hours to go. That's why you need a business broadband that works as hard as you do. Introducing Sky Business. With 4G internet backup and our stay connected guarantee, that's better business. To find out more, visit skybusiness.com. Sky Fiber only, 30 second 4G activation or one off credit. New customers, Pro Plus packs only. T's and C's apply.